Good morning, Grace. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the father knows me and I know the father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Thank you, Joe. So uh, I'm going to read you some words to a song, and you can just shout it out if you know the uh, title to this song. We're also going to play a little music to help uh, set all that so it'll even jog some more memories. So here's how the words go. Get your motor running. Head out on the highway. I think we have a, there we got a good picture, too. Looking for adventure and whatever comes our way. And listen to this. Like a true nature's child, we were born, born to be wild. And now this next part is actually important. I'm going to come back to the end. We can climb so high, we never want to die. I never want to die. Look, what is it with us? that we have this free and independent spirit, much like this crazy sheep that we see right here. We tend to be really independent, fiercely independent, and want to do things on our own. This is why Jesus chooses, we can kill the sheep now and uh, the music. This is why Jesus chooses this metaphor of I am the good shepherd, because it says a lot about us. You know, do you know that sheep are prone to wander? They're prone to wander. This is what they do. They, they wander. And it's the same way as we, we're kind of, we're drawn to the wild. Even the most conservative of us are drawn somehow to the wild and to the independent and to being free, like free birds. We could do another song, free bird, right? So there's a lot of things that we could talk about. Have you noticed this, though, even though being drawn to the wild, there is no such thing as a wild sheep. Wild sheep don't exist. Oh, we have wild everything, don't we? We have wild dogs and we have wild cats and wild horses and on and on and on and go. But we don't have any wild sheep. You know why we don't have any wild sheep? Does anybody know why we don't have wild sheep? Because they die without the shepherd. Like they love to be wild. They love to kind of wander off and be independent and make their own choices and do their own thing. But they can't survive without the shepherd. So we don't have wild sheep. They either have a shepherd or they're dead. Just one, one way or the other. The shepherd feeds, protects, cares, and searches. Now, now, Jesus dedicates an entire chapter in the Bible, Luke chapter 15, to emphasizing this point about how the shepherd searches. Three parables back to back about how the shepherd searches. When a sheep goes off on its own, which it's going to do, it's in its nature for the sheep to go off on its own, the shepherd knows that he must search, search for the sheep. Now, listen. This I am statement, this very important I am statement of Jesus Christ, I am the good shepherd, is not about the quality of the sheep. It's very important to understand this I am statement. 
It's not about the quality of the sheep. It's about the quality of the shepherd. That's what the I am statement is all about. Do you have a good shepherd? Do you have a noble shepherd? Remember last week we talked about leadership. This is the focus of I am the good shepherd. What's the quality of the shepherd that you are following after, not the quality of the sheep? So, why Jesus? Remember this series, we're talking about why Jesus. Why Jesus? Why not something else or why nothing at all? Why would we choose to follow Jesus? So Jesus is making these seven I am, these bold clear statements about himself, about himself, on why we would choose Jesus, why we would choose him, and today, for today, to be our shepherd, why we would choose for him to be our spiritual leader, why would we follow after him? This is what he's saying. Now, I am the good shepherd. Here's what he's basically saying. You might want to fill this in on the back of your sheet. He's saying this, I will take care of everything. It's really important. I will take care of everything. This is exactly what Jesus Christ is saying when he says, I am the good shepherd. When it comes to eternity, when it comes to salvation, when it comes to us being right before God, what Jesus basically is saying by this clear, bold statement is, is I will take care of everything. This is not a partnership. Like the sheep don't partner with the shepherd. They don't, you know, the shepherd doesn't go to the sheep and say, hey, look, sheep, um, let's enter into an agreement here. Uh, I'll do certain things and you do certain things and we'll have a happy partnership. He doesn't do that. The shepherd takes care of everything, not some things, not most things. The shepherd takes care of absolutely everything. And this is what Jesus Christ is saying. Every other shepherd, what Jesus is saying, every other shepherd is going to fall short. They're going to run away. At some point, they're going to run away is what he's saying. That's what the story is about. They're going to run away. And what Jesus is saying is, I'll never run away from you. I will absolutely never run away from you. A lot of relationships, all basically all relationships in this world are you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. It's reciprocal. And Jesus is offering something uniquely different. That even in the religious world, even in the spiritual world, it's somehow, some way, it's you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And Jesus is saying, I'm offering you something uniquely different completely different, unlike anything else in the world. There's no scratching my back. I will take care of everything. This is what it means when he says, I am the good shepherd. Now, here is where it gets incredibly fascinating. Five times in those short verses that Joe just read, five times, you go through and count it. Jesus makes reference to this. I will lay my life down. I will lay my life down. I'll lay my life down for the sheep. And why that is so fascinating is he also says this. There's two things I want to say to you this morning. The first one is this. Even though I know everything about you, I'm still going to lay my life down for you. Now, that's fascinating. Fill this one in on the back of your sheet there. The shepherd knows everything about you. The shepherd knows everything about you. Verse 14 says, I know my sheep. I know my sheep. We're told in scriptures, I'll just blow through them. I won't actually read these verses, but you can go and look them up later if you would like to. But here are four things that our shepherd knows about us. He knows our thoughts. The shepherd knows it. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine somebody knowing every thought that runs through your mind? That's a little scary, isn't it? He knows our plans. 
Every plan, even plans that you just dream of doing but wouldn't want anybody else to know, he knows all those plans. He knows all of our sins, all of our wrongs, absolutely all of them. And he knows our heart. The Bible tells us our heart is deceitful beyond all things. He knows our heart. He knows our plans, our thoughts, our deeds. He knows everything. He knows everything we've done. Wait a minute. Not only does he not know everything we've done, he knows everything we're going to do. He knows everything we're going to do. He knows everything that we're going to, that we even think about doing. He knows all this and still he's ready to lay his life down for us. That is shocking. This is Holy Week. We've entered into Holy Week, Palm Sunday. This Thursday is called Holy Thursday. Some people call it Monday Thursday. Whatever you'd like to call it, this is, this is the Holy Week. Friday, Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, hangs on a cross. And on Thursday of this week, he celebrates the Last Supper. In the Last Supper, knowing everything he knows about his sheep, his disciples, he knows everything. As he's washing their feet, as he stoops, as God himself stoops to the lowest level possible, the servant, the lowest servant in a house would wash the feet. God Almighty, show me another belief system that believes this. God Almighty stoops to the lowest servant's position possible and washes the dirty feet of his disciples while the disciples argue about who's the greatest one. And still he does it. He takes bread and he breaks it. He says, this is my body. I'm going to, my body is going to be broken for you. And in the same context of that room, he prophesies that they will all reject him and run away. And still, he's saying, I'm still going to have my body broken for you. Is that fascinating? He knows everything. We, we, we so often live under this fear, right? Oh my gosh, God's not going to want to have anything to do with me. I've done this or that, or I've thought this or that. God's not going to want to have anything to do with me. He's going to turn his back on me. Look, if the cross couldn't make Jesus turn back, tell me what you could do. You know how brutal that? I mean, the Roman army was very skilled at pain. Very skilled. One of the best in the world at pain. If the cross could not make Jesus Christ walk away from you. Tell me what you're going to do to make him walk away from you. It's absolutely nothing. And he knows everything about it. So, so he, says this, he says this line in here. I know my sheep. And then he says this. My sheep know me. Now that's a great line. My sheep know me. I, I put in the weekend broadcast this past week. I included a line from Romans chapter 1, verse number 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. I have experienced this in my own life and talked to so many people who have experienced in theirs as well. As, you know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm lacking power. What am I, where, I'm, why am I lacking power? Here, here would be the first thing that I would say to somebody who says, you know, I just don't sense it. It's not personal. I don't sense God in my life. My first question now would be to somebody do you really understand the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because the gospel is power. You know, be saying, John, we've talked a lot about this. We've talked, we've talked all of, you know why? We talk a lot about it because Jesus can't stop talking about it because here's where all the power is. The shepherd does everything. 
He knows everything about us, and he does everything for us. It's the gospel. It's grace. And when we understand that, when we receive that, it's powerful. The book of Galatians is all about this. You can read it. It's a short book in the New Testament. Paul writes it, very short book. It's all about a group of people who started out believing in the gospel and then stopped believing in the gospel. They went back to their own efforts to trying to save themselves. And he says, you've lost all the power. Basically, that's what he's saying. We read just a few moments ago the lyrics to that song, right? I want to climb so high. Here's the reason why I did that. Because at the beginning of this story of John chapter 10, he said there are those who are trying to steal their way. They're trying to climb their way into the sheep pen. Trying to climb it themselves. Isn't that just like us? Look, what's the easiest way into the sheep pen? What's the easiest way? Who could tell me the easiest way? Just venture a wild guess. What's the easiest way in? The gate. Not only is it easy, it's safe. You ever been to an area of the world where people have walls up? That's just a common practice in there. You know, I was... I was in a part of the world one time where um, everybody, doesn't matter how nice your home was, everybody had a wall. And at the top of the wall, it's like they put everything in the world that could hurt you up there. Like there was broken bottles, jagged sticking out, like spears and knives, anything they could find to deter you from getting in. So what do you think the sheep pen's like? We don't want anybody to steal the sheep, so we're going to make the wall as dangerous as possible. You're going to get cut up, and you're going to get thorns in you if you're going over the wall. And then what are people going to still do? They're going to still try to climb in by their own effort. We still want to do that because it's in us, our own effort to get in, even though it is very dangerous. I'm going to read lyrics to another song to you. If you know the name to this song, just shout it out. Okay, ready? For what is a man? What has he got? If not himself, then he has not. To say the things he truly feels and not the words of one who kneels. The record shows I took the blows and did it how? My way, Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. And there's something, yeah, do it your way, man. The only problem is, is you can't break in that way. And along the way, which is a losing effort, which is a losing effort, you get a lot of pain. Or you could go through the door. Where the shepherd does absolutely everything for us. That's the first thing Jesus is saying here. He knows everything about us, still lays down his life. Here's the second thing. The shepherd planned to be your substitute. Verse 18 tells us that. John 10, 18. Wasn't just a last minute decision. Wasn't something, you know, planned it. For so many years, planned to be our substitute. Very well thought out. Now, I mentioned this last week, just really briefly. And I'm not going to tell the whole story now, but just to remind you. On Good Friday, 2,000 years ago, Pilate sent word down in his prison, find me somebody who is absolutely guilty and whose name is Jesus. And they pulled him up. His name was Jesus Barabbas. And Pilate stands Jesus Barabbas, 100% guilty, and over here, completely innocent, Jesus the Christ. Why, why did we go through that exercise? Why did God have that happen? 
because God wanted to show that there needs to be a substitution. A substitution. This guy is totally guilty and should die, but he gets to go free. This over here, Jesus the Christ, the good shepherd, is completely innocent, and he's going to sub in for this guy right over here. And this was very well thought out and planned. John 1.29, John the Baptist says it. He says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb is innocent, and yet he takes the sin on. He substitutes. The book of Revelation, chapter 13. The Lamb who was slain from the creation of the This is very well thought out. From the creation of the world, God planned to do this for us because he is the good shepherd and he loves us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin, no sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the only way to become right with God is this substitution that we see right here. Jesus Christ took our place. We have all been found guilty. We all fall short. We know that. We feel that. Jesus Christ does not fall short at all, and he substitutes in for us. I want to show you just a quick video clip. Let me set it up by saying this. This is going to show something here that was thought of at the last second a substitution was made. I want you to remember as you're watching this that God's substitution, Jesus Christ's substitution for you, extended for all of eternity, had been thinking about it, had been agonizing over it for all of eternity. You're going to see some people on a train. They have no idea the sacrifice that has been made for them whatsoever. They have no idea. They're just going on with life as if nothing ever happened. And yet you're going to see somebody outside of the train who their entire world has just been changed because of the sacrifice that they made. And that is such such a clear example of what we get in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We, even, even us that sit in church many times, we do not grasp the substitution that took place for us. But we live in a world, a world where God reaches out to us in love and says, I'm substituting, but, and have no knowledge of it. But you know what? That does not change it for God. It's not like he says, well, you know what? You're not grateful for it, so I'm not going to lay my life down. God says, I know everything about you. I know your name. I know your heart. I know your thoughts. I know your deeds. And it's not stopping me. My love is so great that I'm going to lay my life down for you. So this is a foreign film, so it's subtitled, but it's okay. You're going to be, because you're so smart, you're going to be able to pick up on it anyway without any problem. Let's roll the tape. That father gave the greatest gift that he could ever give for people, many people who did not even know. This is the story of the Bible from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation. God has been telling this story for all these thousands of years. Not in just one place in the Bible. Not just on Easter. God has been telling this story since the Bible began. Abraham, take your son Isaac up to the mountain and there sacrifice him for me. Now, it was completely understood, completely understood in Bible times that we all 
stand guilty before God. Understood. So when God speaks to Abraham and says to him, take your son, your firstborn son, take Isaac up to the mountain. Abraham expected it because he knew that he was in debt to God and that God at any moment could call the debt in. And so he took Isaac up there. And Isaac says, Father, I see the wood and I see the knife. Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, God will provide. And we're told in the story, it gets all the way to the point. Just before the death, the sacrifice of Isaac, that God says, stop. Now, why did God put, did God, was God bored? Did he not have something to do? That he puts Abraham through this sex? No, no, no. This is for us. This is a great, grand story that God's grabbing our attention and saying, I stopped him because Isaac can't take away the sins of the world. Only my son can. Only my son can substitute for everybody else. How about Passover? So we're coming up on Passover, right? So we have the first Passover when the Israelites are in Egypt. And God says, an innocent lamb, slaughter this innocent lamb. Jesus Christ is celebrating that Passover with his disciples. And what's interesting is at that supper, at that famous supper, what you see was you, as you read about communion there is Jesus says, here we have the bread and here we have the cup, two very important pieces of the Passover meal. But one piece is missing. One piece is missing in that famous meal. What's missing? The lamb. Where's the lamb when Jesus Christ celebrates? Where's the lamb? The lamb, is, the lamb is supposed to be on the table. There's what creates our innocence before God. Our sacrifice. It's, it's not on the table. Why isn't the lamb on the table? Because the lamb is at the table. The lamb that takes away the sin of the world. Jesus Christ. This story has been told for thousands of years. God's trying to get a point across to us. I want to read you one last scripture verse. Isaiah 53. This just really pulls it all together. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds were healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. and Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Are there times in your life when you don't feel good enough? You just don't feel like you measure up. You're not a good enough man. You're not enough of a man. You're not enough of a husband. You're not enough of an employee. You're not good enough. You're not a good enough woman. You're not a good enough daughter or a son. You just don't measure up. You're not a good enough wife. You don't have what it takes. You just don't measure. You know why you feel that way? Because you're not. I'd love to stand here and say, oh, yes, you are. Everybody gets a trophy. The reason we feel that way is because we're not. But Jesus is. And he's standing there. Listen, listen. He's standing there on the sidelines saying, I'm a, I'll sub in for you. 
It's my favorite time of year. We're in right now, right? March Madness. Some incredible games. And we are like some of those basketball players out there completely exhausted. We're trying so hard to save ourselves. Trying so hard to be good enough. Trying so hard to be right before God. Trying so hard to feel clean and not guilty before God. Trying so hard, wearing ourselves out. We are playing in a game that we cannot win. Jesus plays in a game that he cannot lose. When I played basketball, coach told us this. Is look. You better get tired when you're out there. You better be working so hard that you're completely exhausted. And he would tell us this. When you need to come out, you need to throw your hand up. Throw it up. Give me out, coach. I'm worn out. Are you ready to throw your hand up and say to Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, take me out. I am exhausted trying to be good enough to measure up to you, a holy God. I'm throwing my hand up. Take me out, Jesus. Would you sub in for me? I'm tired of trying to climb the wall myself. Would you sub in for me? This is what Easter is all about. It's the great substitution. One player for another player. You can't do this. I can't do this. Jesus Christ has to come in for us. If you feel like you can't do this anymore... I want to encourage you today to throw your hand up to the Father in heaven and say, would you, would you please bring my sub in so I can sit on the sidelines and he can play the game for me because the shepherd does everything. I'm going to ask the music team to come up because they have a very special song they want to end with uh, this morning. I want to read you the words of the song and, and, and then we're going to all stand and we're going, to, we're going to sing it together. And as they're making their way up, I want to tell you what we're going to do for the next two weeks. So today we're talking about the fact that God Almighty, since the creation of this world, has planned your substitution. Will you let him substitute in for you? Next week is Easter. And next week we're going to talk about the fact that God has planned your victory. He has planned your victory. And then two weeks from today we're going to talk about this, that God has planned your innocence. He's planned your innocence. Some of us feel like we've lost our innocence. And that's a terrible place to be. One thing I can't stand to see is when a young child loses their innocence. God has planned your innocence, and we're going to talk about that. So here's some of the words that uh, we're about ready to sing. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. See, God knows this about. He knows that we're prone to do this, and yet he still lays down his life for us. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Then it says this. Here's my heart, O oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. I encourage you. We have a prayer wall over here. I'm going to go over to the prayer wall uh, myself when the service is over. If you have never thrown your hand up to the Father, if you've never thrown your hand up to the coach, the coach of all coaches, and say, you know what, I'm ready to sub out because I'm exhausted. I encourage you. We'll be over here to pray with you. Bible says when we ask God to forgive us of our sins and to come into our hearts, substitution, to come into our hearts, to come into our game, and to sub in for us. We ask Jesus Christ to do that. Then his righteousness becomes our righteousness. His peace becomes our peace. Some of us are completely tired out of trying so hard to win this game. You can't win. You cannot win. But he can win for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.
I thank you so much for what you have done for us. What we have seen on this screen just a few moments ago of this tremendous sacrifice of this father is small in comparison to the sacrifice that you have made for each one of us. Lord, help us. Help us to understand the gospel. Help us to understand the power and to stop trying to climb this dangerous wall in which we cannot win. And instead, take the easy way. And go through Jesus Christ, our shepherd. Help us, Lord, to take that substitution and to find new life. In Jesus' name, amen.